0: Hi, this is Drew Gasparini, I'm the composer-lyricist for The Karate Kid, the upcoming Broadway musical, and you're listening to Cobra Kai Companion.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter, and today's interview is with Drew Gasparini, which you probably heard at the top of the show, and he is the composer and lyricist of the upcoming The Karate Kid, the musical on Broadway. Some of you may have heard the news, some of you may have not. Uh, It was a big question mark when we did all hear about it and go, how are they going to pull that off? Well, Drew does come on and talks about the process and kind of where they're at right now. Um, I'm really excited about this. Uh, Drew himself, he does share, you know, uh, when he was younger and how he got into music, some of his influences. Um, His family sounds like, you know, an entire bunch of talented musicians and artists. Drew himself has also dabbled in various things uh, related to music. His song, titled Good For You, was featured on the NBC musical series Smash, which uh, was sung by the star Catherine McPhee, a former American Idol contestant. Uh, he also wrote a piece that was on a one-man show starring uh, Mark Summers. You know, everyone knows him from uh, Double Dare and all those other shows, Unwrapped, Um He has a a plethora of videos where we talked about one specifically where he was doing like uh, poetry and he has a variety of music he has written and artists perform Uh, that's also available in his channel. So um, just so much content is out there produced by this man. So uh, this is our conversation. Hello? Hey, Drew. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good. It's Peter. How you doing?
0: I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Thanks for uh thanks for uh, talking to me
1: tonight. Oh, absolutely. Again, you know, thank you for this opportunity. The listeners of Cobra Kai Companion, you know, we're very familiar with the show Cobra Kai and the movies from the Karate Kid universe. Yeah. The Karate Kid, the musical is is a huge question mark because it's still in its infancy, (laughs) I feel. And I I figured who better than to talk about the man who's going to be composing the music.
0: I'm happy to chat about
1: it. Yeah. Well, I I definitely want to uh, get to know a little bit more about you as well. Um, You're originally from California? That's correct. The Bay Area in California. The Bay Area. So, and you come from apparently a talented family. Your your sisters are also musicians.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, that's correct. Uh, my Chloe, my sister Chloe is a songwriter in Los Angeles, and my sister Casey is an actress in New York. And the three of us are in a band together called Saint Adeline that we play from time to time. And uh, I have an older brother who is an artist and a teacher and he's married with kids and he still lives in the bay area but yeah we're all we're all doing the uh the creative thing
1: what what was it that inspired you to get into music
0: um honestly cartoon theme songs
1: <laughs> i love them
0: i like i loved like uh duck Tales and like darkwing duck and oh, gummy yeah. bears and like all those you know those those old saturday morning kind of disney cartoons
1: oh yeah we're the same age i know you're speaking my language here <laughs>
0: Right on, man. I had a feeling right on. Uh, so like, the, it was so catchy. And it was so entertaining. And all those those theme songs from back in the day were like bops. I mean, they were yeah. really hooky uh, songs. So I think that that was something. And my parents were like, raised us all in the Beatles and Paul Simon and other wonderful songwriters and musicians. And it was just around. So it kind of just felt like a, an inevitability almost, but it was never really forced upon us. It was just like available,
1: you yeah. know? were were you into anything else uh theater things like that
0: yeah i did um I mean I played sports i did I did dance, I did theater, i did uh all sorts of stuff. There was a moment I thought I wanted to be a cartoonist <laughs> uh and 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 stuff like that, but yeah, a lot of that all through high school and middle school and I played in bands, I played drums in a few bands, and you know I just had my hands in a lot of different pies.
1: Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Uh growing up, you you mentioned the Beatles. What were some of your early, earlier inspirations in, in music?
0: Oh man. Uh, uh well, the Beatles for sure. Um I am everyone kinda laughs at me or rolls their eyes when I say this, but I'm probably the world's biggest Dave Matthews band okay. Band in, the yeah. entire, <laughs> in the entire world. Um I don't know why. Like I'm still like so die hard about it but uh he he was like a huge reason i started like playing guitar and stuff um and i love like i don't know like journey and like hook heavy bands that have these great chorus melodies and stuff like that led zeppelin was a big one my dad was a huge led zeppelin fan pink floyd the grateful dead all of that stuff and anything motown my mom would kind of force feed us and uh james taylor and elton john and all those singer songwriters as well all that kind of stuff yeah it all, it all made its way into the, the to the part of the brain where songwriting came up from for me, for sure.
1: Oh, that's amazing! That is uh, quite a variety of uh, a diverse group of of uh, musicians, for sure. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I like to think I'm pretty d- diverse in you know in my love of music as well. Uh, again, we're roughly the same age, and oh, actually, we are the same age. But I, I don't know what it was like for you with with your parents. It sounds like they might have been a little bit more open with you know your exploration of music. For me, I wasn't allowed to watch MTV until I was about eleven or twelve. And so, oh yeah? Yeah, so leading up to that, I was only able to listen to my dad's collection of music which uh, ranged from the 50s through the 80s. So I definitely have a, an appreciation, you know, for yeah, their older like it, stuff. Man. I'm I'm probably it's a little funny because uh, I I really love disco. You know, like ABBA, Bee Gees, you know, kind of that Absolutely. era.
0: Absolutely. There's some great songs. And disco created like such a vibe that is still current today.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's evident in like EDM and all that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: So in high school, you know, that's that's when a lot of us uh, kind of make our big decisions and stuff. Tell me, in high school, when did you start deciding that you're going to pursue music or or? Yeah, did, sure, did man. You, yeah, how did you break into the industry?
0: So the industry is, I don't, I, you know, I still don't know that I full. I feel like I know all the people in it, but the industry changes so fast. I don't even think the industry knows what it is, to be very honest. It's this weird amoebic thing. Um, But anyway, in high school, like I said, I tried to kind of have my finger in a lot of pies. And I I not only played in bands, I sang in a lot of choirs and acapella groups. And I even started like a barbershop quartet uh, with my brother. And like that was super different. And I just knew I wanted to do music after high school. And I went to a college called the Musician's Institute in Hollywood, which is kind of this musician's trade school. And um, I didn't stick around long enough to get a degree in anything. I just stuck around long enough to realize I don't need a degree (laughs) to do this. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I kind of jumped ship from college and I just pursued writing songs. And to me, that just meant writing songs. It didn't mean for a theater. It didn't mean for pop. It didn't mean anything. Songwriter and I was playing shows all over the country. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was at, at the piano and I just kind of like started steamrolling both things at once. And one thing led to another. And I kind of made the move to New York. And, you know, the rest is history. I became a composer and uh, a <laughs> very, very, very strange and varied career so far. So I'm very grateful.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it, it You've been doing a lot, uh, so much so that it, it's hard to kind of keep track of the, the things you did. You released your first album in 2008, uh, over, titled Overboard. Um, it is available on Apple uh, Music if anyone's interested. I, I gave it a listen yesterday, a very easy listen. Uh, it's a, it's a feel good album for sure. I really quite enjoyed it. Thank you. I- that same year, you also wrote uh, a song. Uh, called "Good for You" that was featured in the NBC series Smash. Uh, sung by Catherine McPhee, uh, a former American Idol contestant.
0: That is that is correct. Smash happened actually. That was 2012.
1: Okay. Oh wow. So, uh,
0: I had a, I had "Overboard" came out in 2008 of Drew Gasparini band. It came out in 2012
1: in okay. that same
0: year. Um, that same year is when I played, uh, or when I wrote on the TV show Smash. Yeah, with Catherine McPhee and and Pasek and Paul. They were the writers of Dear Evan Hansen and The Greatest Showman. They wrote on that show as well. And Joe Iconis, who was the composer of a musical called Be More Chill, uh, he also was a writer on that show at the time. It was all t- Yeah, that was all in 2012.
1: Okay, so just a, f- a few years later, uh, you also dabble in, in poetry. <laughs>
0: What makes you say that
1: Oh because I, I watched your trees uh, uh clip on YouTube you, you I have did. a lot of videos in trees I quite enjoy it too I had a good laugh. <laughs> it's a really good one.
0: thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It was, not, it was never meant to be a poem. It was supposed to be a song, but I never ended up writing music to it. So I just decided <laughs> to perform it more as like a, a spoken word, which makes me sound like more of an artist, but really is just laziness.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I definitely encourage people you, to yeah, seek those out. It was, it was really good. Uh, I just wish I had more time to go through, uh, but, but there's so many videos, a lot of content for, for those that are interested in that stuff.
0: Yeah, tons of your Gasparini stuff on YouTube, like endless, endless amounts. I'm so sorry, world. <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong
1: with that at all. I saw that. I quite enjoyed a lot of this stuff.
0: Thank you.
1: Now, the, the, with the Karate Kid uh, musical, um, tell me about, like, uh, where are you with the movies? Uh, did you grow up a Karate Kid fan?
0: Of course. I feel like everybody... It, Like a Karate Kid. It's so funny. We were talking about the Beatles earlier, because I always say the Karate Kid is a little bit like the Beatles, like you're born and you kind of if you were born after the movie came out, you like already know about it weirdly. Like Mm -hmm. how the Beatles is just kind of in the world so much that you feel like when kids are born, they just kind of have this idea of who the Beatles are. That's what I feel like Karate Kid is. Uh, it's such a huge thing in popular culture. So yeah, I call it the sleepover movie. I always watched it when we had sleepovers at like friend houses and stuff growing up.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Um,
0: So it was certainly a part of my nostalgia and, um, and I'm a huge fan of the story. I think, I think, um, the mentorship and and bond between daniel and miyagi is one of the greatest things ever written into cinema i just i love the movie absolutely and i get to work on this this project with uh, robert mark kamen who wrote the movies
1: yeah i did see a picture you recently posted that was pretty amazing
0: yeah oh we've been we've become uh, as he as he and i joke about now we're practically boyfriends because <laughs> we 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 hang out all the time we ended up really liking each other people and we've just become really good friends it's been pretty wonderful um but yeah he's he's a trip man i really really enjoy working with him
1: that's amazing um can you tell me like how did this project even get started who who started kicking around the idea
0: so um there is a japanese production company called gorgeous entertainment run by this woman named kamiko yoshi and uh, she is the lead producer on this. And it was brought to her attention by a world-famous director who is also Japanese. So the the director and his partner, they brought this idea to gorgeous entertainment. And um, most of the Broadway landscape these days is big movie revivals. Um, or adaptations of, you know, like they just had pretty woman on Broadway. Beetlejuice is currently a humongous movie on Broadway right now, or movie musical on Broadway. And I think the producers got really excited uh, when the title of karate kid came across their desk and they approached Robert Kamen himself because he owns the underlying rights to the property. So they can, none of this could happen without his approval and permission and involvement at all. Um, so they went to him and then they started looking for songwriters and me and a few other people submitted songs. And uh, luckily, they and very happily, they chose me. And that's how that's how I got involved. And that's how the project got started. It's It's been actually already a few
1: years. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, these things take time. I mean, like I started I signed my contract about a year and a half ago. And but they started trying to get the rights and, and Robert's permission about three years ago or something like that.
1: So probably at the same time, uh, Cobra Kai was in development.
0: Yes, very much so. When Cobra, like I remember all the talks. And you know what's really funny? I mean, I don't want to skip around. I'm I I don't know if you have questions about this type (laughs) of thing, but it sounds like you've done a little research at least. Um, I wrote this thing. Uh, last year for the super bowl for skittles it was yes. a skittles ad right uh that never aired it was a giant publicity stunt it was there was a lot of buzz um in all the outlets and all the theater and and tv and media outlets about this big publicity stunt that skittles was doing and i was hired to write the score for this skittles ad and uh i got that job one day after i was told i was going to get the karate kid and one of the people in the skittles cast was a girl named julia machio ah. she's ralph machio's daughter and i right. was like this is the fucking this is fucking insane <laughs> i just booked the karate kid and the next day i meet julia machio and then like two weeks after that i'm like hanging out with ralph mach it was just like it was surreal
1: that's amazing because i was going to ask you if you knew her because uh, I, I did go on your Instagram, and I think yes. it was um, you shared a picture of the the front of the script, and and she yeah. had commented saying something, you know, she wished you well, or it couldn't have happened to a better person, or something to that effect.
0: Yes, yes, we got a chance to get to know each other and stuff. She's great.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Um, the funny thing is, like, uh, just last December, um, I took a family trip down to Disneyland and I also, mm-hmm. uh, planned, uh, planned a day where I would go meet, uh, John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg, two of the creators from Cobra Kai. Um you uh-huh. know, they, they've also been on the show and they follow what I do. But while I was in Disneyland, coincidentally, I ran into Julia Machio, who was visiting <laughs> Mary Mauser, who plays Ralph's daughter on Cobra Kai. So they were just, you know, enjoying <laughs> Disneyland and here I am bumping into them the day before I go uh, meet the create or see the creators. So that is pretty awesome. How
0: crazy is that, man? The universe of the of the karate kid is inescapable. <laughs> it, it really is. The the, the universe That's works so in mysterious funny.
1: ways. So that's that's awesome that you have that relationship. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. it's cool.
1: Yeah, but, man, so you got to hang out with Ralph, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Ralph's a trip, too. He's, like, the sweetest guy I've ever met in my entire life, and he still looks like he did the first movie. <laughs> I
1: mean, like, he's,
0: he's such a young-looking dude. He's like my dad's age. It's crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, I believe um, they will be coming to washington in july or june no june and i plan to go see them it'll be my third time uh seeing them at a convention so um Night. That, yeah look uh, at this point i have had no luck in scoring them but they at least are familiar with the pod which is that's that's something
0: that's something man shout out to the boys yeah. hi everybody <laughs> because i'm sure they're listening man
1: oh i i, I hope so um <laughs> now it is an adaptation how yeah. how is the script worked
0: So we're we're really sticking true to the story of the movie. And uh, Daniel, it's going to the 1984 original movie, Um, Daniel moving across the country with Lucille and uh, the shitty apartment complex and getting beat up by Johnny. All of those things are all there. Meeting Miyagi and wax on, wax off. All the things everybody wants are going to be in there. The crane kick, the whole thing. Um, only this time, there's going to be music. And I now I want I want this to be very clear. Actually, if there are like diehard fans listening, um, when I was first offered this job, I rolled my eyes because I didn't like the idea of how that sounded. I really didn't like the thought of Karate Kid the musical because it sounded too on the nose for, you know, just trying to get a success or it sounded too commercial or it sounded too cheesy. It sounded like a way to potentially ruin an already great story. So that was my first impression of just the title when I heard Karate Kid followed with the musical. Okay, when I talked to Robert and started diving into how this could be done and relearning the movie, because, you know, I had not seen it at that point. It had been a few years since I'd seen it last Remembering how beautiful the story is, how much angst Daniel is going through, and how painful it is to be just removed from your, your home at your senior year of high school and taken across the country just to get your ass kicked. <laughs> and you're in the middle of you know hormonal teenage stuff, not to mention Lucille, a single parent trying to make it work, and not to mention Miyagi, who's that one scene in the movie where he's drunk and he's talking about his, his wife who died. There is a whole backstory to Miyagi that we can now explore further through Okinawan music. It doesn't mean Miyagi's going to be singing big songs, but he is going to be influenced by music. Absolutely. Um, and Daniel is angsty as a teenager. It's going to be a really, uh, I mean, anything that has that much angst behind it turns into really good music, I think. So when I rewatched the movie before I got the job, it sang to me. It all of a sudden made sense how this could be broken up into a Broadway show. And it's now feeling more like the musical, The Karate Kid, as opposed to The Karate Kid, The Musical. You see what I mean by that? Yes. So the way that the music is kind of used in here is to just enhance all of those moments. Like think back to the movie when Daniel's so mad he throws his bike and he's swearing to himself. That is a that's a moment for a song. That's a moment to explore the teenage brokenness of Daniel. There's a there's a moment to explore the, the sociopathicness of Kreese and how he's brainwashing these these teenagers to be killing machines. You know, there's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of rich stuff in these characters that almost demands singing. And Robert Kamen the other day said, "I know what was after we had our first reading. We just had our first reading." Uh, which was very exciting. And Robert came and says, ah, I know what was missing from the movie, songs. So it sounds like we're really on a good path and, uh, and it's all coming from us wanting to make sure the story continues to be told in a way that resonates with people, not just to make force it into a musical. It, it's already a musical in our eyes. We're just enhancing it with these songs, truly. I can't wait for everybody to see it.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited myself. Now, when you guys are going through the script and, and the, mm-hmm. the, the process of creating this world, how do you, do you take cues from a director or how do you guys go and decide? You gave an example of the, the, the bike scene. How do you decide when and where there will be a musical number while telling the story that everyone knows?
0: Sometimes it's really obvious and sometimes we add moments to enhance it like one of the key moments we added and I don't want to give too much away but I'll plant I'll plant little seeds one of the key moments that we added is the moment that everybody knows from the movie when they're on the pylons at the beach and practicing the crane kick right that mm-hmm. moment where daniel learns the crane kick But there's a whole metaphor that Miyagi has in our musical about balance, and balance doesn't just mean, you know, standing on one leg. Balance is this huge concept that even as a young person, you need to... Be able to handle it. You need to be able to learn what that feels like and how how you grow once you've established what your balance is. It's a very big learning moment. So we've created a big musical moment right then and there. So that really spoke to us, and that is something that we kind of invented that's not in the movie. Um, and then there were moments like when he throws the bike. You, c- it's just that that felt obvious. It felt like he was about to boil over. And anybody who is that high of an emotional state, if they can't, if they have nothing left to say they might as well sing. So any moment like that felt like uh, a song and any introductory moment, like we uh Sensei Kreese probably has the coolest songs in the entire show. <laughs> they're like hard, They're like angry Metallica, like they're militants, like really fun, angry songs. So anytime a new character is introduced, they kind of get their little number as well. And um it's not as obvious as I'm making it sound every time, but like for Karate Kid, it really kind of was to be like, here's a song, here's a song, here's a song.
1: And how do you find the voices of these characters when you're writing lyrics for them?
0: Well, we had a struggle with this initially, because even though this is by and large an American story, there's a huge cultural impact with the Okinawanness of Mr. Miyagi. And we really wanted to be true to that anytime we had a reflective moment with Miyagi or anything like that. So uh what the producers did to make sure that we could have defined voices per character was they sent me and the uh, other creatives to Okinawa. And I was out there for a few days and I studied with these Okinawan composers. So they, and it's a very different theory and very different scale. And the Okinawan scale is very different than any other American music. Um, And they were kind of teaching me how to interweave it uh, with some popular uh, Western sounds and this really specific Okinawan thing. So making sure that we established the cultural importance made it easy to voice Miyagi. Looking at Sensei Kreese, like I said, we kind of gave him this like really aggressive uh, rock, and this does take place in 1984, still, so it totally suits him that Metallica is kind of the inspiration behind him. That's also very much the character—that sociopathic kind of shit. <laughs> um, and and Daniel is is uh, totally peppered with that teen angst meets pop rock a little bit. And Johnny even has his own new kind of version of that, like kind of battles Daniel's a little bit. Everybody has their specific little musical motif. Um, And it's just the the cadence in their lines and the cadence in how they spoke and how Robert wrote these characters. That's kind of how I decided how each person would sound.
1: Now, the the, the people that will be attending the the show when it comes out, will they be Mm -hmm. hearing like any um, musical influences from uh, Bill Conti or any of the iconic songs that were featured uh, in the movies?
0: No. And there's a reason for that. Rocky was a musical on Broadway several years ago, and it was a big failure, you know, and no discredit to anybody who tried to make it happen. That is such an ambitious feat to try to make a successful musical of Rocky. Right. And uh, I watching it, they used all those quotes of of the Conti stuff and all the eye of the tiger. And they kind of put that influence into the score. And that's what made it feel like they were just copy and pasting the movie and adding songs wherever. Whereas we are taking this iconic story and enhancing it to be its own thing that stands by itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all within the, uni- it's all within the universe. Karate Kid was this amazing, uh, movie franchise. It got turned into, uh, several different st- stems of that. And now Cobra Kai on YouTube and that's standing all by itself. And the musical is going to stand all by itself. So the idea of using some of these specific musical uh memorable moments from the movie feels like all we're doing is making sure that the only only the people who like the movie will get their little wink when really this thing is much bigger than that and the pressure of having a title like karate kid on my shoulders makes me really go extra hard when i'm writing this score to make sure that they're not going to miss those musical moments
1: you, you mentioned pressure. Uh, how, how big is the pressure, you know, uh, when, when <laughs> writing the music?
0: I had hair at the beginning of this, and I have much less hair now. That's,
1: that's, that's, that's from basically turning
0: it all out. Of it, is, it is very, very, it's high pressure. It's very high pressure. Uh, this is a very fast-moving Broadway show. Typically, these things take from like five to ten years to get to Broadway, um, and like I said, I started on this a little over a year ago and we're already moving very, very quickly to our next steps. And, um, so the pressure of making it good and making it good with a streamlined, uh, streamlined, uh, deadline, uh, it, it just adds to the pressure. But at the same time, I've learned about the creative team, myself, Robert came and our director when there's a little bit of, uh, excitement and fire under our asses and you know the producers are thrilled with what we're doing all of that encouragement and even from the karate Kid fans who've been either they hate it or they hate this idea or they really love this idea and the people who really love this idea have been loud in supporting it anything we hear about the excitement from everyone else makes us want to do so much better so the pressure is there but it's there for good reason and i think uh, we're going to deliver something that that uh, kind of meets the pressure and the expectations Uh, At the very minimum, it meets the expectations people have for what this could be. I think we're going to defy them, but that's just my own my own musician's ego coming into
1: play, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) Well, you got to have that attitude for sure. Um, Yeah. So I I would imagine there's certain things that you can't reveal, you you know, you you can't tell the listeners yet. But what do we know about the Karate Kid, the musical? Uh, What can you tell us? It it sounds like everyone's been casted because you mentioned uh, the table read.
0: We, we had a table read. It doesn't mean that we have a cast yet. Uh, that was a very, you know, that was a very first look at what the show could be. And with a, with an idea of what the cast could be, we still have to really hold proper auditions and see who's out there. Cause there's a very good possibility that we could discover some brand new kid to play the role of a lifetime, which would be Daniel. And, um, I, I think I have an idea of who our Miyagi is going to be, but I certainly cannot say that at this point. Um, but I think it's going to be very exciting when these announcements get made. Other than that, I, there's not too much I can say except for uh, I'm very sorry in advance. Oh, here's what I can say. <laughs> Daniel wins. Da- Daniel Daniel wins at the end. Oh, Fair. you spoiled can, the, you spoiled the ending.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yeah. Sorry. You're the best around is not in the show. That's okay. all I have to say. I'm very sorry. Until, until we get slaughtered on, you know, by the trolls on the Internet to the point that we might close, it's not going to be in the show. Just come expecting uh, a really, really, really fun and really heartfelt and really um, exciting brand new way to tell this story, but still the same story.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Gosh, you know, again, I keep circling back to the, the whole pressure thing. I'm thinking, oh gosh, what can Drew Gasparini give us, you know, that, uh, you, cause everyone knows the Bill Conti symbol when Johnny kicks, or I'm sorry, Daniel kicks Johnny in the face. So of course, how are you going to approach that?
0: Well, I've given, I've, I've taken the time to try to create those musical themes for each character. And that could be their, not just the theme that represents the character, but the moments of triumph, the moments of despair. So it, it is going to feel so victorious when that crank kick snaps Johnny in the chin. It's going to feel overwhelming because of the musical moment that happens right at that moment. So I don't think anything musically from the movie will be missed. That is my true hope. And again, please forgive my ego in advance, but that is, that is my true intent
1: and my true hope for all of those.
0: I'm dealing with the pressure well,
1: I would say. Think? I think so. I think so. And, and again, you, you have a good attitude. So that's, uh, that, that's Thanks, all that matters. Um, well, as, as we get ready to wrap up, you know, you, you, you've mentioned, you know, the ride that you've been on uh, ever since getting into music at a very young age. Uh, what word of advice can you give to people who want to get into composing or working on Broadway? Uh, some of the things that you have done yourself.
0: Absolutely. I, here's the best piece of advice I could give anybody who is, um, I almost said stupid enough, but I really think it's brave enough. Anybody who's brave enough to dive into the world of show business in any respect, whether it's writing songs or being an actor or being any, any creative in the field. Just do it. I know that that sounds so hacky and so overused, but literally there is no there is no school that can teach you how to do this. The only way you can do it is start bumping elbows with the people already doing it and forcing yourself to figure out your style. Get out there and just write, just compose, just create, just be you. Individuality is a huge thing that is overlooked nowadays because everybody is trying so hard to be someone else. So stick to what makes you an individual as an artist, and just do it. There's nothing after waiting. You just have to do it. This is a very speedy business. So hop in while you can.
1: And that concludes my conversation with Drew Gasparini. Uh, I want to thank him again for giving me the opportunity to get to kind of pick his brain a little bit and talk about the, the Karate Kid, uh, the musical, which is uh, coming up here. Um, Yeah, follow him on Facebook. Uh, He has a Twitter and Instagram account. Uh, The Instagram account is where I saw him post a picture of uh, a group of people, which I'm sure are associated with the the, the play itself. And, you know, centered was uh, Robert Mark Kamen, which is the writer of the cry to Get* movies. If you want to follow Drew, uh, I will include uh, the links in the show notes so you guys can access those accounts. And be sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel. For us, uh, we also have a YouTube channel, though we are not uh, active YouTube content creators. We do have a few things up there, which, you know, you could just search Cobra Kai Companion, Companion with the a K, uh, you'll find it there. And on Instagram, you can find us on Cobra Kai Podcast and Cobra Kai Pod on Twitter. If you're a newer listener or this is the first time you're hearing the show, uh, we have had at this point uh 41 interviews counting drews and um you know with people from the Cobra Kai show and also some from the original movies uh pl- plenty to check out we've had we've also reviewed all uh 20 episodes at this point 10 of each season season three's coming out soon and a bunch of other bonus episodes as well uh including Q&As done by John Hurwitz, one of the creators of Cobra Kai which he does on Twitter and we read the questions submitted and his answers uh, to the, the tweeters, is that a word? But also, Drew and I discussed a little bit about Julia Macho. Uh, there is an episode where I talk about that encounter at Disneyland and also, um, you know, visiting the sets and things like that. Cobra Kai Naye is uh, the episode about Disneyland and, you know, meeting the creators at Sony. Um, And also, if you go back a few months, we discussed uh, going down to Atlanta, seeing the set, and also our very first meetup where some of the cast members also showed up too. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank everybody for their continued support. Our 100th episode is coming up, and we are going to be doing some Season 3 predictions. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. And we have uh, some of our favorite guys showing up on that episode as guests, the Cobra guys. So tune in for that for the Big 100. Uh, By the time you guys hear this, I'm not sure if there will be enough time, but if you still decide to do so, I'll include these in later episodes. But we have a new number. I want to give a shout out to Amy S. for uh, getting this phone number because our last one kind of expired, but it's 424-COBRA-84. 424-COBRA84. If you leave us a message, you know, for our 100th episode, I'll be happy to play that on the episode. But if you want to use that number for future feedbacks or what have you, we'll always play it on the show. So that number will be updated in the show notes uh, as well. And those will be uh, played on the 100th episode. And that'll do it for me, and I'll catch you guys next time.
0: For listening to the Cortem Arts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Arts shows, visit cortemarts.com.